Welcome back to AntioxSpeaks.com. I am Brent, one of the members here at Antioch Speaks. We have a few goals in mind. Of course, we are still human and we may miss the mark, but this is the point. We try to be forgiving and show grace to each other and everyone else. The point is to disciple Christians uh, in the Christian community according to our Bibles. We may send out warnings, but our intent is not to condemn anyone, just inform the public. Everything you hear on our talk show, please go to Scripture and test for yourself. Be a Berean. Never just take my word for it. We may have guests on our show. We don't always agree with our guest points of views, but we remain kid-friendly and G-rated. We are trying to live as holy and righteous as we can. We believe the Holy Spirit will give us power to do that. We can't do it on our own. Yes, we have a biblical worldview. Abortion is murder and homosexuality is genocide. If you're here to try to troll us because we are Christians, just carry on. Now, get out a pen and paper and your Bible and let's get started. Okay, so here we go. I got a few things on my mind that I want to talk about. Um, I'm all by myself and usually I get to have a guest or somebody I can feed off of, but now I get to try to do this um, just by myself and see how it goes. I've been doing that a couple times um, for whatever reason, I guess. Um, and I've taken some notes and, and I've got a, a way I want to go about this, but um, I think that one of the things that I wanted to talk about on this uh, episode is uh, Christians treating Christians better. Um, just in general, I mean, I mean, it's it's great to be excited to see someone come to church and try not to be in a clicky situation. I've been a part of large churches and small churches, and um, just sticking around the people you already know just seems to be something that's easy to do. Uh, and I don't even think you realize you are isolating other people when you do it. Um, but the realization of different opinions and thoughts um, and things like that is another issue uh, for the church. For example, um, if you're outspoken about anything, the way you eat, um, the way you spend your free time, you can fall under criticism. Um, one of the recent things for me is uh, this show that everyone just loves so much called The Chosen. Um, I never really was into it. I just didn't uh, really get entertained by the first season. Um, I watched the first couple episodes and just didn't catch fire. You know, I just didn't say, um, man, I really want to watch that show. Um, and I get it. I get why people are attracted to the show. And I hope, you know, that the show does a lot of good for those who watch it. And I hope it leads people to Jesus. I really do. I, I'm not um, criticizing the show at this point or, or in that time. But that when that first season came, I caught a lot of uh, backlash from Christian brothers and sisters for not being entertained by the show. Um, almost as if um, I was rejecting the Bible by saying I'm just not interested in watching The Chosen uh, or talking about it. But as time went on, and I'm sure maybe you've heard about this or you have or you haven't, um, 
but controversy started to surround the the chosen um, just because it's obviously being produced uh, by a st- Angel Studios or something. I, I'm not really sure all the details, but there's the LDS, the the Latter Day Saints are Mormon. Um, they're providing land um, and, and scene scene places for them to shoot, uh, and evidently in season three. Um, Jesus said something similar to what the Book of Mormon says. So now uh, there is uh, some evidence, if you will, that maybe the Mormons are influencing some of the show. Uh, so I mentioned that, and it got my Christian brothers and sisters really enraged. Um, a few things have happened. Number one, if I post anything from Joel Osteen or Andy Stanley... Um, they can use it as a comparison. Um, Mel Gibson's The Passion, I loved the movie, and somebody had made a few uh, points about how the movie was produced and what the actor went through and some of the uh, people who had gotten saved, and I just had posted that, and I had a Christian brother come after me and compare it to, because uh, Mel Gibson's a Catholic, uh, to the Mormons. And so... It's just been uh, one thing after another, which if if I tell you that it's possible the Mormons have worked on the show or that I just don't find the show entertaining and that offends you to the point of defending uh, the show and saying the Mormons don't work on it or that the Mormons are just like every other Christian, they believe in the same Christ. That's what Dallas Jenkins, the, the, the maker of the show, says. Um, then turn around and tell me that because Mel Gibson's a Catholic I'm not really, I think Andy Stanley has made some comments in the last year about the LGBTQ community, um, and I, I, you know, Joel Osteen is Joel Osteen, but making these weird comparisons uh, almost defends what I'm saying. If you're going to say you can't listen to Joel Osteen because he mentioned that there's another way to Christ, or you won't listen to Andy Stanley's podcast um, because he's favoritism or, or takes a light route on LGBTQ or because, um, you know, Mel Gibson's a Catholic, that the passion was no good. If you make those statements, then you sh- shouldn't watch The Chosen. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Um, anyway, so having that said, it, 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 rem- it reminded me of when Jesus told the 12 disciples that he was going to be betrayed. Um, And then Peter, one of my favorite New Testament um, characters, has stepped out and said, you know what, I'm not going to betray you. And Jesus corrected him and said, you know, you're going to reject me, deny me three times before the cock crows. So to me, the relevance is, even though Judas was, uh, you know, completely turning Jesus in, um, and was unrepentant and didn't see Jesus as the Messiah as Peter did, still Peter was being a hypocrite because uh, he was going to deny Jesus out of his own self-preservation, which is similar to what Judas did, no matter how you look at it. And so I think what I'm uh, getting at is I might find something I don't like about the chosen, or maybe I don't want to eat fattening foods, or maybe I don't want to work on Saturdays because of whatever reason I don't want to. If you do want to work on Saturdays, then I don't think you and I should be at uh, 
across with each other as Christians. If I don't want to watch the, the, the Chosen and you don't want to watch The Passion, we should just leave each other alone about it. If you tell me that you don't like Andy Stanley because he's uh, favorites, you know, favorites the LGBTQ, then I'm not going to invite you to watch uh, or listen to podcasts from Andy Stanley or, or, or get you to go to North Point Church, but I don't think that you should try to enforce your uh, things that you like onto me. And I don't think this goes with um, Ten Commandment type things or infidelity um, or, uh, you know, certain things. But it does go with these <laughs> cultural silly things. Um, I'm going to read a little bit out of Romans 14 uh, to support this, and then I'll move on to another topic. But I want to say before I read this, Christians have got to start treating each other better. We are on this arc together. Our common welfare should trump our personalities and our differences. Um, I think that we should try to take an attitude and a perspective that each other are not trying to hurt each other. If I tell you that I think the Mormons are writing on the chosen, I'm not trying to hurt you personally. And if you tell me that Mel Gibson's a Catholic, I don't want to take it as you're trying to attack me personally. You know, um, if you don't like Joe Osteen and I post something he says or share something he says and you voice to me you don't like him, I choose to have the attitude that it's not, you're not coming at me. Like you're not a Christian who doesn't love me. Um, a lot of times, especially with the older Christians, they do love you and care for you. That's why they're coming out of pocket. And for you, you might see it as out of pocket, but it's a loving thing they're trying to say to you. Um, each of us struggle. And I think we learned that from Peter and Judas with Jesus is all of us as Christians have different things we struggle with. Sure. Maybe you don't have anger tantrums at work, uh, but maybe you look at images. Um, maybe you don't look at images, but maybe you want to be seen. Whatever the case may be, it, we all have different struggles. Um, we need to have grace and forgiveness with each other, I think. I think that's scripture. Um, so I'm going to read this now. Uh, this is Romans chapter 14, verse 1. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. So there Paul does def definitely make a difference um, between, you know, obviously fornication, stealing, murder, hurting each other, lying to each other. These things are um, condemnable, okay? I get it. I I'm not trying to split hairs. I'm talking about you know, watching a show. Um, I can watch, you know, Die Hard at Christmas time. So I'm not trying to say The Chosen is evil. Um, and you might watch The Chosen and not care that the Mormons are writing on it. And then I watch, you know, Joel Osteen for an hour and you get upset, um, whatever the case may be. Um, we all need someone to hold us accountable. Here's chapter, I mean, verse two. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. Um, that's a constant thing. You know, I think Christian conservative people uh, look at liberals as vegetarians, um, but, you know, liberals can be Christians as well. In verse 3, the one who eats everything must not treat 
with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them both. In verse 4, who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. So, you know, Paul is definitely going back to where Jesus told us a parable about the wheat and the tare. We are not the ones to make the decision on if Dallas Jenkins, Joel Osteen, or Andy Stanley are going to heaven or hell, or if I am going to heaven or hell. You are a servant judging another servant. Our master is God. Uh, Verse 5, one person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. I believe fully that the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts me, not you. Um, You can sit with me and say that the way I spend my money is wrong, the way I spend my free time is wrong, but I'm not going to pay attention to that until the Holy Spirit does something in my heart. Verse 6, whoever regards one day as special does it to the Lord. I think this is very important for Christians who are frustrated with other Christians who celebrate the Sabbath on a Saturday. Um, And even to go as far as I have some friends who believe that on the Sabbath you shouldn't even watch football and, and things like that either, that it should be reserved for the Lord. Now, I'm okay to watch football. My faith is different, but should I really give the other Christian a hard time? I really think that we should treat Christian, we should be treating each other better. We're on the same arc. For none of us lives for ourselves alone. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so for the Lord and gives thanks to the God. And none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, verse 8, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. And verse 9, for this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, verse 10, why do you judge your brother or sister, or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will stand before God's judgment seat. You have been listening to AntiochSpeaks.com. We are a Christian talk show. Uh, We also have a podcast. We're doing a YouTube podcast channel. Um, and we uh, have a lot going on. And if you've been uh, interested at all in what has been spoke about, what's going on, we encourage you to connect, uh, tune in, and check us out, AntiochSpeaks.com. We're on YouTube and anywhere you can get your podcasts. So I just wanted to hit that um, and, and, and say, hey, you know what? Just because uh, some Christians may be well-intentioned, or maybe they're not well-intentioned when they say the things they say, uh, we should still not treat them with wrath, with vengeance. I think that um, wanting other people to get justice is just as sick um, as a lot of other sins. Like We should let the Lord deal with uh, right and wrong, and we should be loving, kind, and, and graceful to each other with these matters. Um, and then just try to assume, instead of assuming, you know, I used to say this at work, is we always assume that 
uh, we're the ones doing the, the, you know, making the mistakes and doing a bad job. And I think as Christians, we should stop assuming that other Christians are the are, are out to do something bad to us and start assuming that everyone's acting in love. Moving on to the next topic. Now, this is going to be a little more political for a Christian type of talk show, um, but bear with me and. You know, uh, I do put the email out there, uh, AntiochSpeaks at gmail.com. Um, I do encourage you to write me. Um, I put my phone number uh, out there. You can see it. Uh, you can give me a call on my phone. If you want to join me for the show, you can see I need guests. I don't have any. Um, it would be nice to have guests. And you're going to notice that I have some political opinions as well. And if you disagree with them or you don't think I should talk about politics, um, if you think religion and politics don't matter, they don't mix, um, let's have a conversation about it. But regulations uh, in America. Now, uh, obviously, our Bible is going to tell us if you're born in a country with rules, uh, I think you should follow the rules. I think if you're born uh, Jamaican, you should be the best Jamaican that you can be. If you're born an American, you should be the best American that you can be, according to the Word of God. Um, but I do want to point out regulations and the effects they have, good ones, bad ones, and just have a discussion, maybe as a topic from uh, week to week or, or show to show, and just bring different ones up. I made a list uh, I was looking through in the Civil Rights Act. Okay, In the last 50 years, Congress has made over 28,000 new bills. That's a lot, okay? The Civil Rights Act being one of them. Uh, one of the best bills, I would say. Um, you know, this is something that uh, I just was talking about in the last segment of treating each other correctly, and the Civil Rights Act has enforced that and held us as Americans uh, accountable to not be, uh, you know, um, cliquish, to not be bullies, and to not treat people you know, that look different than us or have a different kind of culture than we do differently, not take away their human rights, uh, God-given rights, um, as, as it would be, um, and things like that. The Civil Rights Act is an amazing regulation. That's an amazing um, bill that Congress passed and put together, and I think we could probably spend 30 minutes talking about what a great uh, difference that made. Um, the Civil Rights Act led to the Voting Act, um, number two really great uh, act. And even when I was reading about this and studying about this, they left out the fact that women can also vote now. Um, but, you know, it allowed every American to cast a vote. Now, we do have, you know, we are a republic more than we are a democracy, and we do have the Electoral College, but at least we are all able to cast a vote. And then you have Medicare and Medicaid, now, the literature I was reading about this regulation and about this act was pretty much calling it a, a great uh, act. But maybe you disagree. Um, I'm going to study more about Medicare and Medicaid. I will say this. I think that the money that we pay in when we're uh, employed into Social Security tax and FICA, if every year we could write it off and prove that we were investing that money on, on our own, I think as Americans we would do much better with the same amount of money. It does seem like FICA, Medicaid, Medicare seem to be a bit of a Ponzi scheme type of thing. Um, 
Again, don't know how you feel about Medicare and Medicaid, and I'm going to study some more about it and talk some more about it in some future shows. But I think that's a regulation that is um, probably mishandled. And then you have uh, the Federal Aid Highway Act. Um, Again, in the article I was reading, it really sounded like a wonderful thing that they did, um, allocating money to federal highways so that uh, we could commute between states uh, more efficiently. Um, looks looks really great on paper. I think one of the things that I noticed, they, uh, and I have to d- dive deeper into it, and I am going to on another episode, especially depending on how y- you all react to this show, but it looks like something that the federal government uses to manipulate states to do what they want. Um, if a state decides to vote against what the federal government wants the state to vote for, or the state decides to pass something. So just to get into this for a minute, uh, marijuana being legal, it's still a federal narcotic. Federally, it's still uh, a crime over all of the states. Um, It's still a Title I drug. But in some states, they've made it legal. So the federal government has the right to raid some of these dispensaries whenever it feels like it. Um, that's just one, you know, then you go into abortion laws and you can go into gay marriage laws, um, as well as, uh, the other, um, many different laws that states may not agree with the federal government on. And I think this, uh, federal aid highway act is being used to manipulate states. Um, because if you don't vote, uh, you know, according to the federal government, whoever the administration is at the time, you might lose your, Federal Highway Act money. Um, And then the last one, Economic Recovery Tax Act. This one was passed by Ronald Reagan. Um, This had to do with us individually paying taxes. And uh, I'm trying to understand more about this as I was born in the Reagan era. So pre-Reagan era, I don't really know. But it seems that even the middle class and maybe poor people were paying uh, a huge chunk of, you know, 22%, maybe, I, I, I'm not really sure, in taxes. So this uh, Economic Recovery Tax Act made it fairer for people who couldn't afford to pay taxes in general. Um, and I would say in this cor- current Biden era, it is a little bit hard to pay taxes now. So I hit those, and uh, I hope to hear from you, comments on social media, maybe email at antiochspeaks at gmail.com. You certainly can call my phone, antiochspeaks.com. You can uh, comment there. You can get involved. And these are the five top civil rights acts. I'd like to hear your opinion. Voting act, I'd like to hear your opinion. Medicare and Medicaid, uh, your opinion. Federal Aid Highway Act and the Economic Recovery Tax Act. Check those out. Tell me what you think about those, yay or nay, in that segment. My next segment is going to be Christianity in America. Um, Currently, there are 362 million uh, Americans, according to the census. Um, Out of them, 63% are Christians, which is down 14% over the years. Um, Young Americans are less likely to become Christian, and we're going to take a look at tonight on this show uh, a, def- a couple different reasons, and I'd like to double back on this topic and make this a segment as well and go through it. Um, the way I'm decided to do this show, 
uh, starting right now is to do these little segments and then and then break them up because I've heard both, you know, that people want long podcasts, but I've also heard that people like short podcasts. So what I'm going to do is make long podcasts and then break them up into four or five short ones and then, you know, share them that way. Make long videos, short videos, whatever, TikTok videos, <laughs> whatever it takes. But so young Americans are less likely to become Christians. One of the reasons has to do with single-parent households. Um, as I was reading about this, you will also find out that um, single-parent households are on a steady climb and still are uh, since the 70s. Um, as time has progressed, what you will notice if you look at it is the Haitian population of America, the Chinese population of America, the uh, Indian population of America, and the Latino uh, population of America. When they uh, immigrate here and settle, they gain wealth. Um, the idea, the subject matter, is that because the family unit stays in order, that those cultures stay married. Um, the two largest cultures that are uh, gaining single-parent households and losing uh, money and turning to poverty at a fast rate are African Americans and white Americans. Um, so the divorce rate is up in those two, and single-parent homes is up in those two. And what they found the link to Christianity in America is if the single parent is teaching the child uh, Christianity, then the child might keep it and go. But for the most part, the single parent is not making it to any kind of church function and is not teaching the children uh, Christianity. So it is now 12% more likely that a Christian parent will be raising atheist or agnostic children. Uh, the other factor that is causing Christianity, Christianity to slide in America right now is the fact that the high immigrants, the top three immigrants to America right now are Chinese, India, and Mexico, in that order. Chinese are often agnostic uh, and atheist uh, culturally. culturally. Uh, if you spend any amount of time right now talking about China and how it treats Christians, it is horrific. And um, it's really wild how many arguments you can get into in this country about gun control and completely ignore that China's humanitarian crisis is wild. I will take a, a little side note and say there are reports in Iran that uh, Muslim people are dreaming that Christ is the uh, their Messiah and they're becoming saved, and I think that's awesome. But that's just a little side note. The second is India. They are uh, generally Hindu, um, and then the Mexican culture is Catholic or Christian. So, um, what they uh, what it looks like statistically is you have sixty three percent of Americans currently. Uh, proclaiming to be Christians, and you only have 55% of foreign immigrants claiming to be Christian, being the Latino. Um, so it's a very, you know, it's a very um, uh, slowing pace with Christianity being that basically what it was saying, there was a few different trajectories, one saying if marriages would stay solid, which it did look like after the pandemic that some, you know, marriages... Uh, and the family unit was starting to grow strong again. But it, it, the projection is by 2070, uh, Christianity will not be the majority. It will be atheist 
or agnostic, other type of religions. Um, not just in America, but it looks like maybe globally, which if you're a Bible believer like I am, and I do have a biblical worldview, this show has a biblical worldview. So when you're listening to this show, you have to make sure you put that filter that, you know, some shows you listen to are for comic value. Some shows you listen to are for political pundits. This show has a biblical worldview. Um, And what that means is basically is if Christianity starts to slow down, number one, we have a lot of work to do. Um, The Bible says that the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And I think that's a major issue right now is that preaching the gospel in America has just not been pure and it's not keeping. And when I say pure, I mean, you know, preaching repentance, preaching humility to God, uh, preaching that God is powerful and that we need Jesus to save us, not the prosperity gospel that, you know, love God, give your money to a church and you'll be okay. But the idea that you've been saved from condemnation and hell and death by Jesus Christ, uh, that needs to be preached more, number one. But number two is as Christianity takes this nosedive um, in culture, you start to realize Jesus is coming back. Um, The end times and some of the things Jesus talked about, as well as John wrote about um, and and Paul, is we're in those times. Um, You know, the the reality of Jesus being born of a a virgin mother and, and then dying and coming back to life and being the Messiah, that was all prophesied thousand, you know, 1,500 years before he was born. That's the same thing now. Um, you have the, the Bible has prophesied what it'll look like as we get closer to Jesus coming back. And one of those signs is the culture just not having love for God. Um, I think Jesus said it would be similar to the days of Noah. Uh, I encourage you, if you don't know Noah's ark, the story, you should check it out. And, um, and I'll go back to saying it, you know, we are all on that same ark, guys. Uh, so we should be loving and amazing to each other. That's my opinion. Um, so the other part that I'm looking at, um, thank you so much for continuing to listen to AntiochSpeaks.com. We invite you to tune in uh, on Mondays, Wednesdays, Saturdays. We're going to keep new episodes coming out for you all the time. If you've enjoyed this, go check out AntiochSpeaks.com. There is a GoFundMe there for you to donate money so we can have resources, so we can continue to continue to uh, carry the gospel, disciple, and do the work we're doing. We also do worship nights. We also have a group on Thursdays that meet and other ministerial things that we do need resources. So uh, send us an email, check out the GoFundMe, or any other thing that you might be able to help us out with will be greatly uh, appreciated, as well as liking, subscribing, and sharing our show. Thank you so much. The immigrants from Chinese to Indian to Latino and any others, uh, we need to be definitely um, ministering to. So um, that's another you know factor for me is that we need to be spending time uh, with them. The third largest um, being Latino could be a big saving grace for us. Um, you know, if family unity sticks together, maybe as we move forward, the trajectory will look stronger and better um, than it has in the past. 
And the next segment, which I just have so many different segments. It's hard for me to listen to this in my ear while I'm going. I don't know if I love it. I don't love it. I can say I like it, but I don't love it. It's not, it's not a wonderful thing for me to be listening to myself in those headphones while I am talking. So the other thing is that I've noticed, because I am a part of recovery, humanism, um, and, and some people call it feminism. It's where we're making ourselves very, very, very important, um, depending on whatever it may be. I'm born a man, and a man is very, very important. I'm short. I'm only 5'8", so you need to make different arrangements for me when I come places. Things don't need to be high up in the air because I'm too short to reach them. Uh, I speak loudly, so you should make arrangements for my loud tone. These humanistic ideas are starting to spread into everything, Um, and I don't know how I feel about it. when I was in uh, uh, one of these last recovery groups that I attended and visited, they were talking about, um, you know, these different concepts and ideas uh, from the 1920s and 30s. If you're familiar with some of these programs, you realize they're very old. You know, they're, they're from back then. And the general idea was that um, even if you haven't been uh, addicted to dope or, or gambling or, or whatever the case may be, You've been harmed by someone who was in your family. So if you have dealt with an addict of any sort in your family, you might have certain resentments, certain ways that you've been handling life. Uh, one instance is that if uh, you know I'm at, if I live with a spouse who is addicted, I might be lying to my spouse's employer. I might be lying to my in-laws, I might be lying to my family. Uh, to the children, to my neighbors about what is going on to try to cover it up. That's not an old-fashioned idea. That's something that we would do today, too. You know, this is not something that's only in the past. You could find yourself today making up excuses for why uh, a, a spouse or a family member is living a rough life when they're addicted to something because you're ashamed for them or you're trying to cover up for them, whatever the case may be. And that's what this topic was. And it got hijacked by the humanistic ideas that, for one, if you've been harmed by someone who's in addiction, that you shouldn't have to participate with the same kind of recovery as they do because whatever. The second idea was that this was a chauvinistic idea because it was back in the 20s and 30s, and here we are, you know, 2020, 100 years later, and I guess, you know, it, it, I don't know. I, From my opinion, is they never pandered to the addict in the 1920s. They would just put a straitjacket on you and throw you into the uh, uh, tank and, and just leave you there, you know, like... You'd be in a padded room for being a drunk or a drug addict, and uh, you would lose your job, and they didn't pander to you. And today, as addicts, they'll put you in a nice, fancy uh, facility today. I mean, they don't, uh, they're not worried at all about um, how you feel uh, back in the 20s, but today, you know, how you feel is more important. Again, this is that humanistic spirit, in my opinion, that has taken over. Um, is this like, you know, humans, 
you know what else? It's also transferred in the family unit and has created a lot of enabling, um, especially in single-parent homes. It's like your child has become sort of an idol. Um, I think that if you are a married couple and you have children, your children are evidence that you love each other. Uh, not the, the children shouldn't be, you know, uh, someone told me that it goes God, then your spouse, then your family. So the children shouldn't go over your spouse. And it, you know, if you already put your spouse over God before you had kids, then now your kids are over God. And I think Jesus had a lot of very um, stiff, specific words about this issue uh, when his mom and his brothers were worried that if he kept saying the things he was saying, they were going to kill him. And they came to him and, you know, he responded to them, who is my brothers? Who is my mother? It's those that do the will of my father in heaven. And I don't think that what Jesus meant by that statement was for us to be at odds with our family, but he does want you, you know, you should put your father in heaven above each thing. And and these days in America, the kids are ruling everything. Um, it's, it's wild. I mean, you, it's like um, it, it basically if they come to your house and my neighbor's there and they want me to get the mark of the beast or they want to lock me up or they want me to de- denounce Christ, if my seven-year-old tells me I need to denounce Christ and I stand in front of this uh, government and I stand in front of my child and I refuse to denounce Christ even though my child is pressuring me to, it looks like my neighbor would be telling me I need to do this for my child. Like, The kids have become so important. We tiptoe around them. Uh, We've got kids with bad attitudes where, you know, look, if kids yelling and freaking out in the the grocery store and their parent decides, look, dude, I'm going to let him cry. I'm going to let her cry. Uh, You know, if my kid's crying in a cart and I decide I'm going to let her cry, I don't need you coming over telling me I've done something wrong. I need you to support me, Um, especially when we're doing this. We're sending them into public schools. And, you know, I got into this conversation with a friend of mine uh, about police pay and, and about the way school teachers are paid. And I believe strongly that if a school teacher is there for the money and for the time off in the summer, that they're there for the wrong reason. On the flip side of that, we need to, just like I said in the first segment, we need to assume that the Christians are coming at us lovingly when they want to correct us or inform us. We need to assume that the teachers are loving our kids. Like, this is kind of upside down and, and hijacked that we defend our children. You know how your kid acts at home. Well, how come when a teacher tells you your kid is acting similar at the school, you go against the teacher and tell your kid, hey, you can do whatever you want? Uh, it's really messed up. And then I think it was really funny when someone said, oh, we're going to start homeschooling these kids when you don't even have a GD. You're going to homeschool your kids. That, that, that made me laugh, too. Um, so anyway, I just, you know, the humanistic idea, making people more important than God, making your children idols, um, you know, making them a reflective of yourself. These things are bad habits, um, especially for the Christian, for a Christian believer. Uh, and like I said, I don't think that Jesus liked to, um, play around with that kind of stuff. He said, I did not come to bring peace to you. I came to bring mother against daughter, father against son. Go read it. It's in the scripture. Um, some will believe and some won't. And I, you know, I, I was in a conversation yesterday about it and the wheat and tares and everything we're talking about. And during judgment and during in revelation, there will be a lot of weeping because I think some of the people you think are wheat are going to turn out to be tear. And that's going to break your heart. And I'm sorry about that. 
Um, but the division on if Christ is your Savior or not, it runs deep. Um, and if you look at any Hindu, um, if you look at the Mormons, if you look at uh, uh, Muslims, they all can pretend to be Christians to infiltrate. Uh, the Mormons actually target evangelical Christians uh, and tell you that it's the same Christ um, and, and convert you. But Christians cannot. We must profess Jesus. That's that's the deal. You profess Christ is the Messiah. If you say that Christ is not the Messiah, then you're not uh, going to heaven. It's that simple. It's there. There's no other way to God but through Christ Himself. And I, you know, a friend of mine said to me that the path to um, destruction is wide, and the path to uh, salvation is narrow. Meaning, the more you learn about this, the more narrow the road and the harder the Christian walk becomes. Um, but there's a lot of good news here. You know, Stephen preached the gospel. He started with Adam, and he moved all the way down to Jesus, and they stoned him to death. Uh, but he saw the glory of the Lord because of his faithfulness. So, you know, it, the truth is Jesus is the only way. Christians can't fake that there's some other religion in order to get other religions to follow them to Christ, uh, even though other religions can do that. I call that competing with the devil. Another issue where I call competing with the devil is with Andy Stanley's recent comments uh, and other uh, pastors who have mega churches. I can see this. I want to, you know, have uh, to be a part of a mega church. I'm not condemning mega churches. I don't think that every big church is bad, um, but it seems to be an issue. Once your church gets to a certain size, you're afraid to lose that. Um, and I think one of the things you might say is Jesus is the only way. You might say humanism is, is a bad practice for Christians. You might say God is more important than your wife and your children or your husband and your children uh, or your government, and it might cause some of your um, uh, congregation to leave you. And once you get to a certain number, you, you don't want that to happen. So you might uh, pander uh, what I call to competing with the devil or pandering with sin. You're, you're looking at the devil straight in the eyes as he walks through your congregation and pulls people out. And instead of casting the devil out, instead of looking the devil in the face and standing up for him under the power of Christ's blood and the Holy Spirit, you're bowing and saying, I'm going to let sin in my church because I don't want to lose uh, you know, the people that, that, uh, that the devil's targeting right now. Um, so, and, and that's a, you know, that's a big deal, man. Pandering or competing with sin, competing with the devil. It, 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 look, man, let your congregation go preach the truth and let the ones who are convicted and can't hang it and don't want to change, let God deal with them. Who knows, you know, one day maybe they'll convert like Paul, you know, it, it, let the heathen continue to be a heathen until they hit rock bottom. Um, I think that the Bible says it as you correct them one time, privately and personally, with grace, kindly and gently. If they don't respond to that, bring a brother or a sister with you. Confront them kindly, with grace, gently. If they don't respond to that, then let the church confront them kindly in grace. And then if they don't respond to that, let Satan have them. That is how we got to do it. This idea that uh, sinners are going to tell us what to do in our churches because we don't want to lose the congregation has got to be broke. I mean, you've got to break that whole idea. You have to stop trying to compete 
with the devil competing with sin. Let the Holy Spirit do the work. Um, in Acts, when you're you're reading um, about uh, Peter and Paul preaching the gospel and Jews who, you know, Peter preached the gospel to Jews who actually beat Jesus to death. I mean, this was a fresh topic for them. And, you know, Peter preached the gospel to them and let the Holy Spirit change their hearts. Paul told uh, the Jews who were jealous and they were rejecting and arguing with everything he said, he said, you have judged yourself unworthy of the kingdom of heaven. And he left them alone. Let the Holy Spirit deal. Don't try to just pull everybody in under the umbrella of, you know, uh, uh, tolerance. You're, you're making tolerance and love the same thing. And, and you know what? Look, I love you, but I'm not tolerating sin, not in my home, you know? Uh, and, and I don't, you know, whatever sin it is, I'm not going to tolerate you stealing and, and, and lying and doing all of this, praising another God over my God. I'm not doing that uh, here. I'm not going to tolerate your sin. Doesn't mean I don't love you. I'm not tolerating your sin. As a matter of fact, uh, an atheist, um, one of the atheists of Penn and Teller, one of the atheists says, um, you got to really look to these Christians and, and say, wow, because they know you're going to hell. If you knew a truck was going to run somebody over, you would push them out of the road. So um, you're, we're trying to, you know, my, my intentions are not to hate you and not tolerate you. My intentions are that you convert uh, and try to keep you from hell. This is a call to battle. Thanks for listening to AntiochSpeaks.com. This is Brent again, one of the members of Antioch Speaks. Uh, we invite you to join us again. Keep looking for other episodes uh, as we are constantly working and there's news always coming out and new things always happening. Uh, pray for our team. We'll be praying for you. Send us any emails. Uh, like, subscribe, and share. And tune in soon as uh, we're going to be bringing a new episode as soon as possible. Thanks again.